Hello there. Welcome to the Oblivious Maximus podcast for another episode. Um, I'm Aaron Osborne, your host. Uh, this episode, my guest is Stella from Potion. Um, Stella picked Smell the Magic by L7, a record that I knew of and obviously know the band and some of like the standout bigger songs of theirs, but not a record that I've admittedly listened to at length myself. So it was cool again to do this with someone who was really keen on it and um, have a big listen to it um, and a chat about it. Uh, so it was great. Um, we talked about this, but also talk about Potion and um, we get into me growing up overseas for a little bit, but it was a fun chat. Um, I'm glad Stella came and did this um, and I love Potion uh, they're one of my favorite Australian bands. So Lee was the first person to come and do this and now Stella's done it. So just need Grizzo and then I've got the whole set. So can't wait for that. Um, oh, my dog's just smashing into the microphone. What's up, Mabel? Um, yeah, <laughs> anyway, enough of this. Uh, enjoy episode 89 of the Oblivious Maximus podcast. With Stella from Potion talking about Smell the Magic by L7. Fucking brutal. All right, Stella, thank you for talking to me about a record. Thanks for having me. Um, all right, so you picked Smell the Magic by L7. Why did you pick this? Well, firstly, they're my favourite band, um, probably maybe of all time. Um, and I picked that specific album because even though it's, like, not their, like, most commercially successful album, it's, like, the one where, like, I just feel good when I listen to it like it's just yeah. one of those those ones where it's like it feels like, like you're gonna have a good time <laughs> when you put it on <laughs> that's sick well yeah I mean it's yeah. like I think I mean it starts off like so strong like the the like the riff of shove is awesome like and and yeah. it's like I guess the, the funny thing for me with this band is that like I guess I kind of always associate them, like, I'm sure a lot of people do with, like, being a grunge band because they're, they were a part of that, I guess, era of music. But then listening to the record, like, I mean, it's far, at least to me, I guess, listening to it the way I did, you know, before talking about it, I hear far more like the way through it plays more like a punk record or something and less like maybe that stereotypical grunge I don't yeah. know, sound maybe? Yeah, because that's kind of like they started off in the like art punk scene in like LA. Mm. And uh, so they were never, like they were before grunge. So before Nirvana even formed, they they were already a band. Yeah. So that's kind of why they never really like, I mean, they are considered like part of that scene, but they were kind of outside of it at the same time. And then they were also very accepted into the metal scene as well. Mm. And um, and they were also really influential on like the Riot Girl bands like Bikini Kill and 
and all those like that era of like feminist punk bands in the 90s but like well before them Mm. so that's why it's like it's significant to me because and it's like crazy that like no one's really paid much attention to them because like nirvana were like huge fans of them they were really good friends with them they toured and played shows with them all the time and um and then they just kind of like disappeared yeah over, over the last maybe like between like just before the um 2000s that were already kind of like starting to just disappear and like especially after like Kurt Cobain died and um all of the members of L7 were just kind of depressed and they were like oh what if this happens to us like what if like there's something so tragic can happen to Kurt and it could happen to any one of us. And then they all just kind of slowly became like tired of playing shows and touring and like not making any money and yeah. losing fans as well because of drugs. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think as well, like while obviously that like period in music is, you know, I mean, flooded with, people passing away from you know drugs and other and other things but like i mean it was obviously like a very tumultuous thing that was happening like it was incredibly you know incredibly specific to like a certain era in time but then as well it was like so specific to the place that it was from and that you know that that sort of side of the country and then it exploded and like that's the other thing that often happens with i mean with this, I guess, like, any art form, but particularly, like, particularly music, when it, like, pops off so crazily, it really... And, I mean, I don't know, particularly with L7, but it seemed like a lot of those bands... And I feel like, you know, I feel I'm relatively certain they were a part of that same thing as well, where, like, everything blows up and then it disappears very quickly as well. (laughs) Like, it just vanished for them. Um because, I mean, you know, even those bands, like, the the, ba- the bands that were peers of, like, in the grunge era, I suppose, that have, like, roded out now have all turned into, like, radio rock bands. Like, yeah. <laughs> they're not like they were at all. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. So, like, L7, I, like, they've reunited since then. They got back together in, like, 2014. And they've just been constantly touring and stuff, which is, like, really great for them because... Like, it was, like, quite, when you, like, read about it or, like, watch documentaries, like, the way that the band broke up just seemed so depressing. Like, lost all enthusiasm and then, like, everyone started, like, slowly leaving the band and... Yeah. And then they kind of disappeared and you just didn't hear from them for years. And, like, the the front woman, like, Danita Sparks, she had, like, her own solo thing for a while, but, like, that wasn't really... That didn't really become anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's like, it's funny because like now, like they released a new album, like last year or the year before that. And, um, like, it's not great. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Like I definitely don't listen to it. Yeah. (laughs) But like, it's, yeah, it's funny because they've kind of become their own like version of like whatever Foo Fighters have now become. Like, yeah, yeah, they're kind sure. of like if more like bad rock than like L seven is like mom rock. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's. I think that's that's another thing that's difficult too as well. I mean, like I know people that really like like for example the new Alice in Chains stuff, 
which is like yeah. fine. And like, I mean, when they were here last year or whatever and played download and I watched them and I was like, they're, they're still really good. Like, it's still good watching the songs that you like and things like that. But at the same time, like, then I hear their new music and I'm just like, man, this band is like, why are they still trying to do this? Like, this this isn't this isn't for them. It's not for me. Like, well, what's going on with this now? Um, yeah. It was just like they're trying to like just hang on to whatever amount of like success they used to have. And, and like I get like it's for nostalgia's sake as well. Like they're just kind of like, oh, we've got this like like 90s revival thing happening. So let's just take advantage, which is like perfect okay to me because I feel like L7 really deserve it. Yeah, yeah, sure. Like, they just seem like, I don't know, they're just legends to me and it's, like, crazy that, like, no one gives a shit about them. Yeah. So when when did you first hear them or this record? Like, was this the first thing you heard by them or...? Um, it was actually their album after it. So Bricks Are Heavy was, like, the album that I kind of got into them through. Yeah. But I first... Them when I was like 14 or 15 because mm-hmm. I was like just I had already been into like punk and stuff like a year or so before that and then I kind of discovered through like so bands like Sonic Youth and like Lydia Lunch yeah and like any band that kind of like uh had like a had female members in it I was immediately always interested in ever since I was like little like even even with pop music, I was always more more like drawn to anything that was like created by a woman. Yeah, sure. And um, I just yeah. So I I was listening to like Bikini Kill and like Sonic Youth and and stuff like that. And then I just kind of I think a friend of mine was like, "So you like?" bikini kill and stuff but you like have you heard of l7 because they're kind of like a lot better of a band like mm-hmm. in terms of like uh the song writing and shit like that um, yeah sure so so i was like okay well I'll, like listen to this band and see like what they're like and at first i kind of like didn't really wasn't really that into it i didn't really get it um and then like over time i was like okay well i know like i watched like old footage of their like shows and stuff and and old interviews and I just kind of realized how much I like really felt an affinity with the whole message of that band and and another thing that I really love about them is that they're also really funny yeah yeah like they're kind of they're really like the first of all the songs are catchy and they're like mm. really um good but then they also don't really take themselves too seriously yeah while also like including that whole message of like women being in heavy heavy bands and that being okay and that it shouldn't be a big deal yeah well i mean i think that that was always something like i mean i think for me with a band like this and i mean there's quite a lot of other bands that i feel like end up getting the same you know shit stick with it really like i mean like a that you know that band 13 that are like a really good like sludge band and like no one pays them any attention because of this of a similar thing unfortunately and i mean it's really stupid but i think often like and i mean obviously 
you know, you would experience as far more than I have in my life. But like, I mean, even for the brief time that I was in a band when I was in Outright, it was often the the things we would get like that. I remember talking to Yells quite a bit about when we played in the band together was like, we would often just be referred to as, oh, it's the girl band. Like it's, it's that girl band. And then, I mean, and I assume that comes even harder for a band that is completely made up of women and, you know, and it, and just cops it really, I mean, for me, like when, when the first time I heard of this band, it was referred to as like, oh, the girl grunge band, not just the songs that they are or whatever, which is, you know, obviously I was much younger and that was, I wasn't thinking the way that I think now, but listening to this record, like, I mean, the songs have really, really catchy choruses and really catchy, like guitar hooks throughout the songs as well, which is like, to me, like the signifier of like, that's what I love about, you know, that's why I play in like stoner bands and stuff. Cause I want to hear like the catchy, the catchy guitar hook yeah. over the catchy, you know, singing or whatever. And even though it's got yeah, a, it's- a real punk vibe, it really sits in well with that. Yeah. Cause like, I think even though there are, they are like really more of a punk or grunge band, they, they loved Motorhead and they yeah, just, yeah. that was like, their whole thing they're just like we just want to sound like motorhead like we we don't really have any association with riot girl or or even grunge but we just mm. want to be like a really hard rock band that just happens to be all women yeah and like it's because like they constantly have to tell people not to mention the fact that they're women but then they'll end up mentioning the fact that they don't want to be mentioned yeah like they don't want that aspect mentioned in anything so yeah. it's just like this annoying and it happens to me as well. Yeah. I'm it's just sure. like, oh, yeah, like with my art, I'm constantly just like explaining to people why I don't want to be labeled as a feminist artist just because I draw strong women. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's annoying because it's like I consciously put that stuff in there, but like I don't want that to be my entire identity and like the only subject matter that I'm allowed to explore yeah i mean i i even remember i again like from the you know direct experience i had with with being in outright for the time that i was like i mean i remember one time we played a show some maybe in brisbane or something and someone was talking to yells about wanting to do an interview with her about uh writing the songs or, or something like that um and yells was like oh you know you should talk to Aaron because he he like wrote the, the wrote those parts. We can like we can chat about it together or whatever. And then afterwards, like I can't remember if it like fell apart or what happened with it. But but something some result of the end of it was that basically there was no interest in talking to anyone other than Yells because they only wanted to talk to the woman from the band. Which again is like I I see no problem with that. But like when that is being placed upon you rather than you having yeah. the control over that. Like, that's what seems, again, yeah. like, bizarre about the whole, I don't know, relationship of that. And, again, like, I can't really speak to it because I wasn't the focal point of that. But I just remember it being a really funny interaction where even in this circumstance where 
the the woman in the situation was trying to suggest some other aspect of it they were basically told like no 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 we won't be doing that we'll just be talking with you like yeah exactly and yeah i mean i think i mean i think maybe i talked to her about it when yells did this podcast like years ago but like how how it like at the start it couldn't it could never be this hardcore band from Melbourne or this this band or does this or whatever, it was always female fronted or girl band or women. And it was like, you know, again, I got no problem with that if that's what the band wants to wants to do and wants to call themselves. But you know, similarly, I never I never really liked it when it something's put on you. Like I mean, I remember when I exist started, everyone kept calling us a stadium crust band and i was like while while i was fine with that because i thought it was funny i was kind of like man like do you have to just jump straight to like a thing and then that's stuck on you forever like it never and i mean i think partially that's why we started writing like stoner songs was to kind of like lose this stadium (laughs) crust title but you know who knows what can you do um yeah like you can't control what people like how people perceive the art that you make but it's like i'm gonna try my best to yeah well yeah but (laughs) but do you have you found have you found that with like with playing in potion for example like has that come hit you with that stuff um it's weird because like we kind of when we started the band we didn't acknowledge it at all yeah and we just kind of let people just discover it on their own um, like I haven't really been asked, oh, what's it like being in a band as a girl? It's more just like people coming up and saying like, it's really like, I get like girls coming up to me at shows and being like, it's, it's really cool to see like girls in like a metal band Yeah, yeah. because very, it's quite rare. Mm. Um, so like stuff like that, I can understand. And then, I'm like, besides that, I'll I'll experience the occasional rude sound guy. Oh yeah, kind of thing that I'm I'm not in the band. Yeah, like literally, we'll be on the stage with my bass strapped on, and and they'll be like, "So the stage is for bands only, so you need to oh leave." It's like <laughs> I just it was opening for art. <laughs> I just don't even know why um, people like yeah, that. Yeah. People like that jump in with that level of like dickhead confidence that they think they're like who I. I and it's like they just say it almost. Sometimes I'm like, are you just like pretending to be a piece of shit yeah. just to annoy me? I <laughs> I just can't even imagine a like a social situation where I would even like I would have the confidence within me to say that to someone like. Um, like why? Why would you? Why would you even approach that? Like, I mean, so, yeah. Uh, like, it, it's just so some of some of that stuff's so weird. Like, and it's just like the what's going through your brain to just assume that it's cool to talk like that to people. Like, just say nothing, man. Like, let it. Like, who cares? <laughs> why, why do you need to do that? Um. Um. Yeah. Well, so yeah, I'll, yeah. Um, we'll, we'll talk about what we're meant to be talking about. Um, I yeah, guess so. Uh, I think that the reason why I love L Seven is because they're they're really good at laughing at people 
when they do stuff like that to them. Mm. Really good at like making fun of them and like really just making them look like a complete idiot. And and it comes through in their music and their riffs. Like their riffs just sound like like giant eye rolls at society. <laughs> That's a good way to describe it. Well, I mean, and I think I think playing the music playing music like this too is a good reflection of that because I mean that that's the other thing too I feel like you cannot I mean you can obviously go one or two ways you can either go super super serious or you can go like tongue in cheek making fun of things like that's there's kind of I mean if you ride down the middle you end up being a little I feel like you end up getting a little less attention for it so you either you know it, it's it benefits you to go one way or the other and I mean, my, my approach, my approach to that personally has always been to go like the same way, like be as stupid as possible, like make it funny, make it silly. Like the songs can be serious. You can have serious messages and you can write things that are important to you and stuff. But like at the end of the day, I mean, <clears throat> you can fight with people or you can tease them. And I uh, like teasing them is far more my speed. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, I think with this record too, like, I guess a big thing for me is like, I mean, it's pretty, sh it's a pretty short record, really. It's like, it, and the songs themselves are quite short too, but they're really like, like I mentioned before, just like really punchy with like good choruses and good hooks and things like that. Was that something yeah. that won you over when you first heard it too? I, s I assume at that time, you know, yeah. being, being quite young, not a lot of like musical knowledge has developed yet either. Yeah, um, yeah, it's like one of those things where like um, I was kind of confused at first by like how like, I don't know, the, the way it's recorded is kind of like not great. So yeah. I was like, it was like a bit um, hard to listen to. But then over time I was just like, it's if you can just ignore that, like you can ignore a misfits records yeah terrible quality um then it's like there's a lot of gold in there and it's and it's just cool because it's they're such simple songs as well and they just go hard on stage when they play those songs and it's yeah, just yeah. like the like they're one of the uh best bands to watch live as well mm. like even now like a few years ago play sydney and like even now at like however old they are, like 50 or something, they still have a very useful, like, energy yeah, on so stage when they're playing. I mean, I think I think a lot of that, too, is really... I mean, I know as well, like, in, in kind of a similar vein, like, with these guys being your favourite band, like, when I first came to I Hate God, like, I came to it through Pantera and, like, hearing yeah. them after spending the last three years of my life pretty much exclusively listening to Pantera. Like, it's quite a jarring difference hearing, like, a recording like this where, you know, it's like, it, you know, it sounds like someone's fucking, you know, thrown a recording device into the room and that's just picked up what they're playing kind of thing. Yeah. But, like, I think as well, like, obviously as you grow in your capacity to listen to music, your ears start maybe caring less about things like that and thinking more about the songs and about why you like the thing that you're hearing as opposed to the audio quality of it, you know? And then it's like, if this was recorded better, would it be a better record? Probably not. Yeah. It would be the 
amount of good. It's just like, or maybe it would be worse. Maybe I actually, maybe the one of the aspects of why I like this record so much is that it's so badly recorded. It, and it has like a certain like feel to well, it. Yeah, it's it like, like adds. It's the character of the record. Like, I mean, the other thing that I often think about with stuff like that too is if it's rec- if if it was recorded better, if it if it like had a more polished product to it, then one it might pick up all the things that are bad <laughs> that you like the inconsistencies or like the bung notes and things like that that you can't really hear when something's a bit a bit less, I guess, like audiophile quality. But then at the yeah. same time, like the vibe is what drives music like this to me at least you know and that's what to me gets lost when you try and polish it you know yeah very true Mm. um so i guess i guess another thing like for me with music like this too is like i mean briefly mentioned on it when it where it's like influenced people but i feel like another thing that might you know work against a band like this too is having a bit of a difficulty into where to you know categorize them like where some people would say you know they're a punk band some people say they're a grunge band i mean even just like yeah. looking at the wikipedia page it it references a few times that they're a right girl band and i was like yeah. well i mean you can hear those parts but i feel like that's just maybe tacked on there because there's women in the band <laughs> like it's not yeah exactly but yeah i mean yeah. I, I don't know like when like you mentioned before that you were listening like you were listening to some of that stuff when you heard this but where when you listen to this now where do you hear it like what what are its peers that you would hear next to it i would still associate them more with nirvana yeah like the i do hear the motorhead influence like a lot as well mm. but it's like um Obviously, they're just from, like, a different era. Um, and, like, they obviously toured with all the 90s bands, like Melvin's and, and Nirvana and, and Hole and stuff. So that's kind of, like, I associate them more with, with that genre, mm. I think. Um, but, yeah, again, they're, they're very different to that those bands as well in, yeah. in a lot of ways. Is, it, is this, like, I guess the other thing, too, for me is, it, it, you know, similarly with like an I Hate God, for example, like <clears throat> while there are other bands that sound like them and while there are bands that obviously they play with and stuff, to me, they're, I think the reason why I like them so much is because they are very like, they're very of their own thing. Like even if other bands have done similar stuff or they tour with bands that are like them and stuff, they're, they're kind of their own entity. And to me, like if listening to this amongst those other bands, this is something like that as well, where it's sort of like created its own, its own vibe that hasn't really been, at least to my knowledge, been like effectively replicated, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Which is, yeah, it's like, I guess it is just because they're so like hard to, to um, classify Yeah, that like maybe like the downfall of like, maybe that's why they didn't really last that and like shitty record deals. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think I think at that at that time, you know, obviously neither of us were a part of it, but I mean, I think at that time too when shit was like really popping off for like Nirvana, I'm sure, which is obviously why it did for so many of those other bands as well, but like 
any band I'm sure that they were playing with at the time was just getting thrown money at them to do something. Yeah. But the deal surrounding that money was so bad that yeah. like it just ended up fucking them worse than if they'd just done it themselves or something, you know? Um, yeah, but like they released another magic on Sub Pop. Mm. Um, I think like around the same time that Nirvana were signed to them as well. And, um, yeah, the, yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's just crazy to me. And the only explanation that, that I can give is like, as to why no one cares is probably because they're all women. Yeah. Like I hate to say it, but I feel like that's probably the only reason. Yeah. Oh, I mean, I like it, like it, I guess for me, like, I mean, like I've, I always knew who the band was and I always knew, of of their songs i think my thing with this stuff personally is that like i don't really listen to any of this stuff regularly i mean other than the melvins and the melvins i don't really associate with this even though they are a part of it like to me i more associate the melvins with like how they influence metal bands kind of thing um but to me that being said like sitting and listening to this like it's it's got great songs. It's got great hooks. It's got great choruses. So it's like, it really, to me, it's, it's like, I would say to like anyone that does like the more like punk element of, of bands, like in that grunge era, like this is certainly like, you know, as relevant as any of those other records, you know? I agree. Um, so like for you, is this the record of theirs that would be the thing that you would recommend to people if you were to tell them to start somewhere? Yeah, it would be, yeah, Smell the Magic, um, particularly the track um, Fast and Frightening. Yeah. Um, that's, like, my favourite song by All7, I think, because mm-hmm. um, it's just, it's like, about, like, a badass woman who rides a motorbike and she's so badass that girls don't know if they want to be her or date her. Yeah. <laughs> Sick. Um, yeah, and it's just, yeah, it's just a, a really great anthem for for grubby women who don't belong anywhere. Yeah, sure. So, like, at the at the time being, like, being a teenager hearing this, did, do, do you think that impacted things outside of just your music listening then? Like- yeah, it's like... It, I think just from looking at their posters and stuff that inspired me to to want to do art as well and like yeah. do do stuff for bands yeah. in particular. I mean, I think like <clears throat> I think um, you know finding that thing that pushes you out of um, not like the normal things you're doing, and there's nothing wrong with associating yourself with like a more normal cultural landscape but i feel like for me with like alternative music it always ends up like there's always one thing that sort of like pushes you into you know thinking it's cool to do something or pushes you away from doing the standard stuff and it always interests me what that is for people like i mean i I remember as a kid like you know when i started getting into more of like uh you know like in getting into death metal and things like that I mean, in one sense, I was, I was obviously like, 
while I was leaving behind normal society and like growing my hair long and wearing shit like you know wearing black clothes all the time um that was like leaving that behind but then immediately I just become part of that culture like I'm I look exactly the same as all my friends like I've I've always found that very funny as well I definitely was like, like when I was really really into them I was like wait so we can just like not wash our hair for like (laughs) or like not shower sometimes like if I just don't feel like showering I just not shower that never occurred to me (laughs) I'm glad that L7 gave you license to you know abandon hygiene (laughs) um well I mean I don't know, like stuff like stuff like that interests me too. Cause I mean, I, I think another thing as well, like, you know, some records that I've been talking to people about have been things that they've like come into as an adult that they really like. And some things are stuff that they love when they're a teenager, but like, um, it's really interesting to me how that informs how people, you know, take themselves, I suppose. And, and how that forms them. I mean, I think another thing for me to getting into stuff like, you know, heavier stuff when I was a kid, the the biggest thing for me was like, not, not so much like, I, and again, maybe it was the time that I was growing up, but like, I felt like it was, there was so much focus for people on like how, how they were perceived in school and things like that. And in social circles and stuff. And the coolest thing about like alternative music for me was that it made me not care about that at all. <laughs> Like, I didn't give a shit about that stuff. Like, I just wanted to, like, have... I just wanted to, like, you know, listen to the coolest thing and talk to each other about... Be the guy that brought the CD around that no one had heard before. Like, that was all I cared about. Yeah, sick. Um, Speaking of uh, growing up... um, So, you grew up, like, in Asia, right? Oh, yeah. Around Hong Kong. So, this is the whole reason we discussed doing this was because we talked about me living overseas um yeah so i i moved to well i lived i moved to taiwan when i was two and then i lived there until i was seven or maybe six and then i moved to fiji and then i moved back to taiwan and then i moved to shanghai and when i was in taiwan and shanghai and things like that because of my dad's work we were like always in Hong Kong or always in, you know, we'd go to Japan kind of regularly. We'd go to Beijing. We'd go like all around the spot. But a big thing for me with that was like growing up. I mean, I wasn't really, I was quite young at that point. Like I moved here when I was 12. So like it was all my primary school years, but I mean, all like my, uh, like music at that time too, like things like yeah. this era of music were like what I was listening to because I was effectively watching MTV while I was over there. And yeah. that's how I like first got into music, I think, was like through that. What band was it? That I got that into? Got you- um, yeah. I mean, I think, I don't know. I think the, the, the thing that I really, the thing that I really first remember like loving, um, was I don't know if you ever seen it that show Celebrity Deathmatch that where it's like that like claymation <laughs> yeah yeah I remember the episode <laughs> yeah yeah so like 
I remember there was like that and Beavis and Butthead and stuff. I obviously watched all those things. And like that always had some like metal stuff in it. I mean, one of the biggest bummers for me like now as an adult is that like I have no recollection of watching the episode that Crowbar are in, but I'm sure I would have seen it, you know? (laughs) But I think that stuff is what first like hooked me into, into like alternative sort of stuff. And then, I mean, and then my parents- separated and as soon as my parents separated it was like the perfect timing with new metal because it was like 99 or whatever <laughs> so it was like they 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 split up and corn was just like waiting for me yeah. with open arms basically that's crazy yeah but yeah, that's unusual though like it's weird that you uh because i feel like I don't know, heavy music is, like, big in Japan, big in, like, Indonesia, wherever else, I'm not sure. Um, but I feel like Taiwan and Hong Kong, maybe less. Oh, yeah. Like, big- I, I come across any of that stuff when I go back to Hong Kong. No, well... So, it's like, you managed to be exposed to that while living there. Yeah, well, I think, and I mean, I think, I think it was definitely because of, like, MTV, helped with that and then as well like I know for sure I went to like American schools the whole time I was there um and I know for sure there was like guys in like year eight and year nine that were on the bus that I would catch I you know there was guys with like knee length Pantera shirts and like ball chain necklaces and stuff that I thought were like I remember, like, vividly thinking, like, oh, those guys are cool, not, like, the athletic people were cool. Like, <clears throat> but I, it was it was very funny. Like, I mean, a lot of, I mean, a lot of my, like, childhood over there, I definitely saw the things that, because, I mean, I, I guess because we were, I guess, transported from, like, an American culture, but it was just existing in Asia. So, it had this really weird crossover. So, like while everyone was doing things like, you know, replicating what they were seeing on MTV, then, you know, to the side of that, there was stuff like, you know, everything people were doing had to do with like, you know, like anime was obviously enormous there because it's, you know, because it was so big in Japan and things like that. And and then similarly, like, like what actually got us starting to talk about this was like seeing all those like, again, like I would see the funny movies that everyone watched in America, but then I would also associate those like the Adam Sandler movies with like those Stephen Chow movies because they're like they're kind yeah, of the same vibe. Yeah, totally. I never made that comparison, but it is it is that dickhead humor that I that I occasionally I feel like I like that kind of humor more in Hong Kong films and American films though. Yeah. Like I much I feel like Stephen Chow's movies are like masterpieces compared to Adam Sandler movies. Yeah. No offense. To- <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think I think that that as well is like part of the way you part of the way you experience it as well. I think the other thing for me too, like while I'm obviously a white Australian person, the experience that I was having while I was over there, I could associate way more with what I was seeing in those movies than what I, what I was seeing with like American movies, for example, at the time. 
I mean, I think still something that is never, um, like, it, I can never move past that is, like, the funniest thing to me in the world was, like, the, the whole time that we were younger, um, I, like, I just remember all the time, just, like, even just the inflection and the way Chinese people speak to one another um, is so, like, can be so theatrical and like the way that's represented in those movies is fucking unreal. Like it's like perfect to a T, you know? Yeah. Um, it's good to hear that you like enjoy those movies. Cause I feel like anyone who I've shown them to who doesn't speak Cantonese just like doesn't get it. Like I've shown Lee his movies before and he's just like, <laughs> like it's funny. Yeah. I mean, I, I love them. And again, like, I don't know if it's because I can also associate, I think I can associate parts of it with like things I saw as a kid and things like that too. And like, I knew that guy, like that guy was the dude who worked here or like that guy. I mean, I remember, I can't remember which, it's probably Shaolin Soccer, but like some of the characters in that movie are like straight up, they were like everyone that was living in the neighborhood that I lived in, 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 uh, like in Taiwan, like I would like see that guy on the street and like, I mean, you know, like there's one of the characters, like, he's like the, the, like the businessman dude. And anyway, he's like constantly, whenever anything like sort of goes wrong, he's just like squats down and, you know, and spits and like just that action of like squatting down and spitting is like so hyper specific to that culture. That to me, yeah. it's like hilarious because I'm like, yeah, that's of course that's what that dude would do, you know? Yeah, um, yeah, it's weird because like I, I feel like I constantly had to like explain in English, like the best way I possibly could, like the storyline to a lot of Stephen Chow movies, and it's just like so hard to describe yeah. in a way for Western audiences to like understand it. Because a lot of it is very specific, like Hong Kong humor. Yeah, as yeah. Well, or like humor. How, like, <clears throat> how often were you traveling to and from when you were a kid? Um, when I was younger, I'd go like maybe like once every three years or so. Yeah. And then as I got older, it's like less and less. And I haven't been back in like five years now. Mm. Um, but, but did it have. Yeah. I does, I was like, born your f- there. Yeah, right. But does your does your family still have a real connection with that, like, that aspect? Yeah. yeah, like, heaps. Like, my parents still watch Asian, like, cable TV. Like, we can get it here in Australia. Yeah. So, they watch, constantly watching Hong Kong, like, news and Hong Kong, like, movies and, and dramas and stuff. Yeah. Um. So, whenever I go home to visit my parents i get that update of like what's happening in, in hong kong yeah now, what's popular all that stuff so like i always grew up like very in tune with asian pop culture yeah um and yeah i mean i think that that's another thing too like i mean i think the other thing for me prior to like diving headfirst into like alt stuff through you know through the things that I was interested in, like I, I would associate a hundred percent associate the reason why I was so obsessed with Michael Jackson when I was a kid to living in Taiwan, because it was like, 
he was the biggest, I mean, obviously the biggest star in the world, but like so specifically, like you can look, you can look back if you like look up footage of him playing anywhere in Asia, it's like the biggest fucking shows in the world. And he had like such a huge impact there. And there's like, there's these little things that are, that are obviously massive regardless in the rest of the world. But I just remember growing up over there as a kid, like it being so hyper specific, how enormous they were and important they were over there. Like I remember like that. And then as well, when the Titanic came out and how for some reason the Titanic was like, it, it like absorbed like Chinese and Taiwanese culture, like so massively. And like, I remember we, we had a, like a, a housekeeper that would come around. And I remember, I remember one time she came around and she was wearing like a fully airbrushed Titanic t-shirt. And like for some reason that like insane shirt is just like burnt into my brain about the Titanic. Like she just loved the Titanic so much that she had to buy this bonkers yeah. airbrushed, like Kate Winslet and Leonardo DiCaprio faces. Like, yeah and like but just things like that to me are like i mean obviously i i have like great memories of growing up there but things like that are the things that just like stuff like that so heavily like influenced my thinking now um yeah you know but and i sh- i'm sure i wouldn't have had that had i just gone to you know primary school in canberra and had the same upbringing as everyone else you know can you understand Chinese? Um, a little bit. Like, I mean, both my little sisters... Well, I mean, one of my sisters was only two when we moved back. And she could barely speak the... the the What words she could say and comprehend were all Chinese. Like, she... And so, we had to send her to a Chinese daycare when we started, when we moved back to Canberra so that she could learn English because she had to learn it like backwards. Like she had to learn the English words through someone speaking Chinese to her. Whoa, that's weird. Yeah. Um, But her and my other sister both did Chinese through school. Whereas because I was so, I mean, when I got back here, I was 12. And because I was just like so mad at the world because my parents got divorced, it was like, that was like all I cared about was, you know, being being into new metal, effectively. I think that's like why I don't speak Chinese anymore. But I can, I mean, I can understand enough. And like, if I, you know, like transit through China, I can figure things out and I can read things enough to like, you know, make myself somewhat useful in an airport or things like that. And if I go to a restaurant, like I can, I can understand enough to make it easy to deal with, you know? Um, but I regret that I didn't keep doing it. It's one of those things too. Like now, like a lot of other things in my life as well, but like as an adult now, I just think like, I should have just fucking kept doing Chinese in school. It would have been so helpful now as an adult to know how to speak a different language. Like, I can speak Cantonese. I just can't read. Yeah. Right. I can name. That's it. Like I, I went to school to learn Chinese, and my parents made me and my sisters do that when we were kids, and yeah. I hated it. Um, 
And so I finally convinced my mom to like, let us not go anymore. And she was like, well, when you're an adult, you're going to regret it. But um, if this is your choice now, then whatever, I can't force you. Yeah. And surprise, I now regret it. So she was right. <laughs> yeah. Well, my mum was exactly the same. Like my mum was like, yeah, if you don't, I remember the actually one of the reasons why I, when I stopped doing like language stuff at school altogether was to do more music, like to do two two things of music, and like in hindsight, yeah. like I mean, I'm not applying the stuff that I learned from that second music class really. Like everything that I do musically <laughs> is just ripping off bands that I would have ended up listening to anyway. So. Probably would have been more useful fucking actually doing the the language stuff. Um, all right. Well, it wouldn't be a true uh, podcast if I didn't talk to you about the things that you have been doing yourself as well. Um, how, how, well, timely, but how did the, um, the two minutes of late night thing um, come about? They... Well, Jordan, the host, just messaged us on Instagram yeah. and was like, we're doing a cover. Does Stella want to play on it? And then two days later, I tracked and recorded the video and it was up the next day. Yeah, and that's that sick. was literally. <laughs> <laughs> but I think, um, yeah, the host, like, has, like, he likes Potion a lot, I think. He's, like, mentioned us in, like, one of the podcast episodes or or whatever, like, like a year or so ago, like a while ago. Yeah. And I guess, yeah. So it was just like, it didn't just like randomly happen. Like he'd or obviously already heard of us a long time ago before that. But it was, it was definitely surprising. Yeah. But I, it's not like I was saying no. Oh yeah, absolutely. Oh man. Like I was, I think just on like maybe drunk whatever night that it was like on the internet that it came up and I was just like scrolling through and then I was, and like I saw a picture of you on like maybe it was on like the YouTube app and it was like I guess like it auto playing without the music and I was like what the fuck and like clicked on it it was yeah it was good it was a good a nice surprise but that's yeah. that's sick though that's like I mean it's a cool opportunity to do something like that as well yeah, yeah it's insane like Considering I haven't really, like, been playing music for a very long time. Yeah. It's just, I was like, yeah, I was honestly just surprised. It was weird. It was just like an insane little thing that just happened to me and and I had no idea why. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, I, yeah, I mean, you're obviously still doing, you know, a lot of artistic creative work during this downtime, but how has that, how has that affected things for you? Um, well, it's hard because, like, I feel like with art, like, just doing this, like, full-time freelancing for, like, two or three years, it's honestly been, like, up and down. Like, it's always unpredictable. I never know when my next job is going to be or, like, where money is going to come from. Mm-hmm. So, like, when this pandemic kind of first hit, everyone was, like, freaking out and... I was getting a lot of like offers for for drawing jobs for like magazines and like just editorial shit. Um, and then just over time, slowly those people just started disappearing. Yeah, right. Because in their companies would 
would become too complicated and they would have to delay like production and stuff. But for a while there was like, everyone was reaching out for artists in particular, like over photographers because they couldn't bring all those people together in one room to do photo shoots anymore. Oh yeah, sure. Yeah. So like in that respect, like I, it almost did make me like busier than usual, which is weird. Yeah. Then, but then all at once it was just gone because everyone just like couldn't be in the office or like nothing could be printed in time in September. So I'm just working on my own shit. Yeah. Which is fine because that's what it's about really. Yeah. Um, and how, like, I mean, obviously I did this with Lee a little while ago, but how is, obviously you guys are still like putting stuff together for another record and things like that. Yeah. And is that, is that like going well or is, has this downtime been detrimental to that? Well, it's like hard, obviously, like we, Lee's like the main songwriter and I kind of like sit in and help and like. Tell him if a riff is good or not. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it's kind of, like, more down to, like, we've got, like, most of the record written. It's just, like, maybe one and a half songs that we kind of need to finish the instrumentals for and then work on the vocals after that. Mm-hmm. But it has been a very long and torturous process. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. It's, I mean, it's one of those things, too. Like, I mean, I feel like I... <clears throat> Like, yeah, I mean, again, I've, like, mentioned on this before, but I thought, like, the second this all happened, I was like, I'm going to fucking smash this time down and, like, write all this music and do all this stuff. And then, like, every time I picked up the guitar, I'm like, I got no fucking idea what I'm doing here. Like, I have no interest in doing this. All I want to do is watch TV. (laughs) Or, like, you have a really good idea for a riff or, like, for me, it's for, for drawings and I'll do it for like two or three days straight and I'm really happy. And then I, and then all of a sudden I'm like, this is the worst idea ever. And it doesn't <laughs> look like anything or like, it sounds like shit or like, it's just like laughably bad. And it's just that constant cycle over and over again, where I'm just starting projects and not finishing them because I'm just stuck in these four walls all yeah. day. It's bizarre. And it's just my view of reality yeah well i'm starting to think that like i need to go to the pub to write music or something <laughs> like without without having like social interaction at bars i can't play guitar or something <laughs> like yeah. i don't know it's it's really weird like the other day when <clears throat> my work has sort of started revving up again and i've started i've noticed that like i've started being able to write some more stuff and play some more guitar and i was like Oh, all I need is like just some semblance of like normality, and then I'm I'm like I can be back at it. It's yeah. bizarre. It's so weird. Yeah. Um, um, working like what are you working on at the moment? Music wise. Like, yeah. Um. Well, I guess the the thing that I've had the most interested doing recently has been like burn the hostages stuff just because like i don't know it's been getting attention and was like it was cool we were sort of like revving up and playing pretty regularly so i had a lot of that vibe going already um and then andrea our drummer has been like uh 
dying to do more stuff because similarly like the ball started rolling and it was like gonna be really cool like we're gonna be playing more shows and like obviously we had like a bunch of shows booked that all ended up getting cancelled and um so i've written i've written a bunch more songs for that which is funny because when we wrote all the last songs like we literally wrote them in the room while we were jamming and i've i'm hopeless at doing that usually but for some reason it works with burn the hostages but i've written a bunch of stuff for them now and i'm like now i'm like very revved up about jamming with that again and i mean i think the the other thing with that band too is like the music is just so basic and so simple that it is it's about finding like the the coolest hook or the best way to make a riff work so i don't have to like slave over playing guitar to make it sound good i just have to like have a couple beers and hope that i find the right notes (laughs) like Like it's like always like like in between trying really hard and not trying at all to like Mm. come up with something (laughs) yeah well and like i I find as well like the Whenever I've ever in the whole time I've been playing guitar, if I ever like purposely sit down to write something, whatever comes out is always straight shit. And then whenever I'm like randomly like putting out, like hanging up my washing and then I'm like, oh, I got an idea. And I like pick up the guitar and that ends up being like the best song on the record, (laughs) like where I'm like doing some completely inane task. And like, I mean, I remember like, when uh that the I Exist song Fool for Death, I wrote I'd written a song that we were gonna use for this seven inch that we did. And then I was I can't remember what I was doing. Maybe I was like vacuuming or something and the the idea for like the intro riff came into my head and I just like abandoned the vacuum and I wrote the whole song in like the time that it took to play the song, like six or seven minutes or however long it goes for. And then that has now ended up being like the song that most people like like the most of I exist and I was like that song came from vacuuming <laughs> like <laughs> like that's like exactly what happened with um when Lee was writing Women of the Wand mm. it was like I don't love this song um it's gonna be like an album track that we'll put on and just like not even think about it and then released it and then it got like a lot of like people seem to like that song the most sort of like yeah all the four songs we have <laughs> <laughs> Your illustrious career thus far. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm excited to hear more stuff. I can't wait. Yeah. Yeah, I hope. Yeah, it's going well. Hopefully, we'll be able to record at some point in the next few months. Yeah. Well, hopefully, we'll all be able to start doing stuff again soon, you know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, like... I think in New South Wales, they're saying like five people are allowed to be indoors together. Mm. So maybe we can start rehearsing again. Yeah. Well, I've like, we started talking about that with like every band I'm in, started talking about it this week. Like, from next week, we'll probably all start doing that stuff again. But I think, I mean, I think the biggest thing for me is, yeah, just returning to some sort of relatively normal routine because the routine of just being in this house all the time is like just so mind-numbing to me (laughs) like yeah it's like actually starting to affect the way that I'm drawing now as well like I'm so sick of looking at my drawings like all my work that I've already done I'm like I hate 
all of this and I just want to like change the technique completely so that's just what I've been doing the last few days and it's like annoying because I feel like I'm wasting my time when I spend too much of it experimenting and not actually like finishing anything but it's just a part of the process unfortunately so I just have to to deal with that well and hopefully some I'm out of this lockdown (laughs) hopefully I would have one piece of art that I'm proud of (laughs) (laughs) yeah well hopefully I don't like get to the first burn hostages practice and realize that all these songs I've written are just terrible like you know that (laughs) could (laughs) yeah yeah it sounded it sounded good in my spare bedroom but nowhere else (laughs) oh geez all right well i'm gonna stop recording but thanks heaps for talking to me um let's let's talk about another record at some point yeah all right cheers thank you